Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. Alright, so what is this? Teams in space? Yeah. What's up, everybody? Paladins of Podcast are back. Robin Eli. Robin Eli. That takes the fun out of me being Rob, doesn't it? You were telling me about Teens in Space. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about it today. Um, I picked it up a while ago, but I haven't had as much time to read into all of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, but the reason I picked it up is probably slightly misguided. I, I was hoping that it's following along along the same lines of uh, Kids on Bikes or Kids on Brooms. Um, Is it by the same people? I believe so. Uh, Renegade Game Studios. And I believe okay. yeah, I believe they're the ones who did uh, Kids on Bikes. Uh, which Kids on Bikes is the 80s style uh, normal people fantastic adventure game. Um, Teens in Space I figured would take it more normal people fantastic adventure, fantastic setting. Um, I like the flavor. I like the theme. It's a clean looking book. And it's kind of following into the system idea for the um, mechanics that I'm developing, which I got to see a little bit of earlier when I cracked open the book. But again, I haven't read much into it. So I'm just going to set that aside. And hopefully you got a good one to talk about towards the end of the show. So we don't get, I want to call it jet lag because you are on a business trip today. We don't get jet lagged in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all right. I. It's a lot of fun to go on a business trip. It would be even more better if there was an RPG trip. Coming up later this year. Yep. I am going to be going to Grand uh, Gary Con and Gen Con. I love, uh, I love the lackluster name of Gary Con, by the way. Thank you. I, I, Gary's a great name. Yeah. Yeah, that one's been... Uh, God, they're pushing, what, 15, 20, close to 30 years, aren't they? Uh, Gary Con, I think, is towards 20. Um, because originally, the Gen Con was originally in, in Lake Geneva. Yes, that's true. And that's why it's called Gen Con for Lake Geneva. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's only been going on for like 18. Uh, oh, I should know. Um, but I do not. I mean, it might that's be closer I to 15. I like I don't I don't remember. I I find that when you look at a lot of the conventions that are out there, uh, whether it be Gen Con or Gary Con, even Origins, I mean, they mostly have so many of the same vendors and style or type of events that if you could nab a really big one, if you're just a a patron, a guest, um, and you do tabletop games as more of just a general hobby, you don't have to hit all of them. You don't have to look into all of them. It's just Unless you like the convention scene, you hit one big one, and you're pretty much good for the year. Yeah, there there are some companies that don't go to every convention, so there can be some good reasons uh, to. And I do know there are some companies that show like do show up to different shows with some better, you know, either a better booth or uh, a better production value. Yeah, so I I think that can be kind of valuable. 
It can be. Um, again, it depends on size of show, location, all that other things. Um, just do you go to any like local local cons like put on by like a college colleges or? Fun story about that actually. Um, so a few years ago, the local convention that I would go to every year, which took place just after Father's Day, the first weekend after Father's Day, was at a local college. It was JFAX. And it was the um, probably one of the region's largest anime and Japanese culture conventions. They finally got so big they could no longer host it for free at the campus. So they had to move it to the large downtown event center. That's awesome. And Good for them. It, it is fantastic. Um, I haven't been back since because I don't like going downtown. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then we also had our Comic-Con start a few years ago, and it's slowly starting to build up. Um, it's it's getting to the point now where I'm a little bit more interested in going. It was so small and everything they had uh, wasn't much of a, an appeal to me. I got out of comic books quite a while ago. And then there are a few smaller gaming conventions that I've done uh, that were super local. Um, it was interesting small time um in places that usually smelled bad so I haven't, no. I haven't ever made it to any actual comic cons or anime cons or anything like that i think i've only ever been to more gaming centric conventions but yeah i've got it's it's kind of neat i've done uh i've done the media pass for so many different things uh before i was media with epic table games i also started with a few other friends, the Nerdverse, uh, and that would cover pretty much all um, nerd-centric hobbies. Um, in fact, I got fired from my own project with that. I got Steve Jobs. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they let me go, and the whole thing kind of fell apart after that. So, oh, well. Yeah. But... Yeah, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your most recent game, if I caught that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, how lucky are you of a roller? Um, That depends. Like, I'm positive certain dice roll better for me, and I'm absolutely superstitious on the fact that I have high-rolling DM dice and low-rolling player dice. They don't ever jump the ship, by the way. It's always one or the other. <laughs> yep. Uh, I have a... How are your players? Are any of them particularly lucky? Or Two unlucky? <laughs> Two of them are incredibly lucky. I don't think that I have averaged their uh, their rolls out, but it feels like they're not ever pushing anything less than like a 14 on the die. And one of my players, and part-time another player, um, but the one never rolls higher than a six, ever. It's incredible. I've never seen such bad die rolls. Um, the uh, the other player is... It depends on their emotions, actually. It's really funny. If they're in a good mood, they roll okay. Not good, but just okay. If they're in a bad mood, though, oh my god, no. They, they suck. It's constant ones, twos, and threes the entire night. Maybe that's what was affecting my last session. Um, I... 
have very good luck in terms of dice rolls, uh, both in person and using virtual tabletop. I've I've got. Is it DM and player luck that you have good luck with? Um, I've got decent, uh, decent player luck, but I've never, I've never rolled as well as a player as I have in like bursts or streaks that mm -hmm. I have as a GM. Okay. So I've, I've had roles where, um, and like I know there is like the bias of being a GM. We throw a lot more dice, um, mm -hmm. so we see see a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more faces, um, or we'll see more twenties just by you know this the number of it but i've rolled multiple times like back to back to back 20s in a row or just Holy cow in, yeah there was it was a session where i mean it was it was dangerous it was like three 20s in a row um and sometimes it's in hackmaster because you roll a lot of opposed dice like sometimes that's not that bad because you're rolling for saves or you're rolling for uh a few of agility. There's, there's like lots of rolls. Anytime you're doing something against someone, you're essentially going to roll an opposed roll. Mm -hmm. But so sometimes you can have 20 spread out where it doesn't affect. But these were like 20s where I was rolling to a hit and rolling oh. for defenses. So it was like the critical ones that do the most damage to the player. Right. Um, it was rough. That's but crazy. This last session, it was the players having awful luck i think they might have rolled like six or seven ones at one point wow. um wow. And I, in in the same time period i had rolled like a single 20 and not a single one it was something insane uh it was it was so bad that um you heard like we were playing and one of my players was had a, rolled a one and then you kind of heard a crash and then there was like a moment of silence and then the player came back and was like, um, one second, my mouse is not working very well. <laughs> and we were like, it was kind of like, kind of like, what? What do you, what do you mean? He was like, well, I threw it against the wall and now <laughs> it doesn't work very well. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, wow. Suffice to say, they were not, uh, they were not thrilled with their luck. They were, they got into, um, I a very interesting situation, um, they in the last session the, the the party had been attacked by uh morlocks uh who they hypnotize they attack in large numbers they're kind of scaredy cats and their entire goal is to to grab you snatch you net you and then just escape and convert people into their uh into them they feed you morlock okay. uh fungus um and so in the last session there was a combat they got jumped one of their party members got snagged and so this session, the party followed after and, and kind of hunted after. Yeah. And I do, like, if when I ask for, we're, we're playing a roll 20, so if, if I ask for an observation check and X number of people see it, I'll, I'll send a message to those people. Um, and they were going along and they started spotting more and more uh, of these of these Morlocks, like, trailing them as they're getting closer and closer to their, their base. And when the when the Morlocks came in, like we're finally like, all right, we're gonna ambush you if you just keep coming towards our our house. Like we're gonna we have to stop you. Mm -hmm. um, the party only one of them saw it, and so I described a situation where I was like, you see ten Morlocks waiting in ambush, and this party member just 
looked at their fighter and went, they're ahead of us. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got into this just intense combat because they, they charged the ones that were setting up the ambush. And uh, then the others that were just following started to, to try to like close in the trap behind them. Mm -hmm. And so they're just in the thick of this and they're rolling just awfully. And then by the end of it, they succeeded. They, they fought off the ambush um, and survived, but uh, it was, it was pretty hairy. I think if they were, they were opponents that weren't trying to just net them and, and knock them out. Um, it would have been a much tougher combat because while they were rolling ones yeah. and rolling pretty badly, the worst things they were doing was getting, wrapped up in nets mm -hmm. um which actually might have been really bad if they had been captured by it but they had they had a druid cast a tangle spell it was okay. a great session i don't need to recap the whole thing <laughs> fair enough fair enough um let's see in my my last two games i had successfully pulled off um a major knife from one of my character's backstories, which was super thrilling for me, by the way. Um, the quick story is that in her backstory, she was left a um, very beautiful and ornate hairpin from her mother. Uh, she cherished this thing. I successfully was able to steal it. And it ended up in the hands of a merchant who was trying to just destroy this uh, this PC because he feels like she completely um, embarrassed him years ago, and he holds a grudge. He mass-produced it, sold it to other shops so they can sell this one-of-a-kind unique care pin, and she noticed it's gaining popularity. Uh -huh. It is no longer a a one-of-a-kind item. It's no longer special, um, as in unique. It is kind of filtered throughout the city now. She was actually very, very upset by that. Do you think she's going to do something about it? Oh, yeah, she wants to kill the guy. Like, she already wanted to kill the guy, but this kind of solidified it. And I laid the seeds for the, uh, the next two um, knives. So... <laughs> Uh, really excited about that. In, so did you yeah. did you do this to help encourage them to <clears throat> like to go after this this bad guy? Uh so what I had done is kind of pieced it together from her backstory. Like the um the NPC that they're going after, he's a merchant. He's not really a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just very opportunistic very capitalistic he's not in the like torture and murder kind of thing he's more just um he'll use finances and the law on his side in order to um sway people's opinion he'll push uh individuals into some sort of situation where they're they feel like they're forced to act and then he uses their actions against them in you know hostile takeover court of law kind of thing <clears throat> uh whining to the crown and it's worked for him so they already wanted to kill this dude like for no other reason than he's just kind of a jerk i'm like whatever we're gonna go this route we're gonna you guys want to take it all the way and while he's around we'll explore it 
And uh, because that particular party is way more, I don't want to say self-serving. They're way more um, in tuned with their uh, personal missions versus trying to explore the world. They push that aspect quite, quite hard. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see, to see where that goes, especially because I've brought in, like I said, one more component, which is going to lead to the second component before they even get to um, confront the guy. Their, do their personal interests kind of align with each other or do they take turns following different uh, personal uh, personal goals? This group takes turns following people's personal goals. That's awesome. That's that's kind of the way my uh, my group likes to likes to play. Oftentimes they'll like be a little meta gamey, but they'll be co cognizant of like, oh, uh, you know, we just went on this quest for you know, I did get this all this cool stuff on this one. We should probably go on a quest uh, that's in more one of your interests. So, yep, it's it's neat. It allows me to set up um, more of a linear progression. Each each player. Uh, story arc kind of just for them so they all have their main character excuse me, main character spotlight moments um, while still giving everybody else bits and pieces to their stories so you know it's not always a group effort kind of thing it's primary focus but everybody nobody's forgotten how do you try to try to juggle that in um, like do you have any characters that are harder to to add elements of their uh, their like advance their stories on another quest, on another character's quest? Uh, sometimes. It depends on when I introduce certain issues or things that come up or if I need to bridge the character's um, arcs through a multi-step process. Um, the more steps I have to go through in order to bridge uh, any two characters, the more difficult it becomes because you kind of got to string it along in a way that makes both sense and is still fun to play. So um, right now, two or three of my characters have really awesome lead-ins to each other. I can really get them fabricated and explore the area, bring them all in, and it works. As opposed to my other game, my other Saturday game, on the off Saturdays from that one is uh, they focus things way more collectively as a group, which is slightly more difficult to manage because they want their own individual stories, but they mostly care about the group's progress. Do they have more of a, like a leader? I mean, either in game or out of game at the table. Uh, my secondary Saturday group. Yeah, the group that plays more as a group, like or at least for group goals. I am noticing that they kind of default to the individual who is hoarding lore. Okay. So the person who is pulling as much lore as possible is the one who's kind of driving the show right now. And damn it, he got a whole lot more lore than I expected him to this last game. Awesome. Yes and no. I'm like, shit, I wanted to draw this out, but he asked all the right questions and it's not like I had pre-canned answers. It's just, <laughs> I already had it written down. <laughs> uh, and I liked the way it was going. Um, but they had a problem. They ran into a huge problem uh, in game 
and it wasn't a character issue it was a player issue and oh. i i had to pause the game for a second and it wasn't like inner party conflict kind of thing but they were i set up a what a, what do you call it like a uh like an evil guy group right okay and all the evil guys are really strong and really powerful there's six of them total and the city that they were in kind of shuts down when these guys come into town for their yearly, um, what are we going to do bad this next year? Plan meet plan Like meeting. a council of evil. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. what it is. It's a council of evil. Um, and it sounded horribly cliche. And I was like, I'm just going to roll with it because it's ridiculous. But I was able to include characters from two, three or four people's backstories. Oh, so it gave them an opportunity to meet their foil, um, who is already like a high-powered level, and then they were scared to interact because of the fact that the NPCs were high high level, and the whole city goes on shutdown. So they did everything they could to avoid and not introduce, and all everything that they were leading up to kept uh, providing them with dead ends. So when they finally had an opportunity to speak to one who is pretty much the main point, focal point right now, um, I figured that they would ask a few questions that they just did not. And I, I had to pause. I said, guys, I'm not going to do this very often, but I can tell that you're struggling. I see where you're kind of running to dead ends. And I've given you opportunities to ask some questions, but um, you're not asking what you feel like the right questions. So I'm going to let you know that while you're talking to these guys, you'll be, you'll, you're going to get information. You can ask all of the questions. So you have the leads to go on and develop farther. Um, it's not going to happen every time. And I'm not going to do this every time, but to help you guys out, I'm going to just fill you in. It's, it's okay to approach them with those questions. You're kind of afraid to ask because you don't want to face retaliation. They took that and ran with it and treated them like shitheads, um, which should have expected that. But what, what do you mean by they like they would have feared retaliation to ask questions? So the uh, the council of bad guys yeah. are are known for kind of flying off the handle. Like if you cross them and they're in a bad mood, yeah, they'll just kill you. Like screw it, I'm done. So they didn't want to be noticed they don't want to be uh crossing the street at the wrong time they don't want to catch him in a bad mood um so they did everything they could to not interact with them but they knew interacting with one of them at least one was coming why why were they going to interact with one what was the what was the situation there he is the driving force for one of my players going on an adventure anyhow. So his story in her background, his name is Ivar. Ivar is the head of, they don't know, um, so they better not listen to this right now. Uh, he's the head of the Serpent's Tail. And the Serpent's Tail is a criminal organization that pretty much runs the Morelands, which is where this lady is from. Her father, according to her backstory, ended up taking out a large lump sum loan from the organization to pay for something. 
she didn't know exactly what it was. She just figured it was living expenses because that's what her dad told her. When reality was, he uh, her dad took out the loan to try to pay for um, a cleric, a high-powered, high-level cleric to save her mom from death. And he didn't have the finances to do it. Ultimately, the cleric was unable to save her mom. The money was already borrowed and spent, so he owed a lot of money. He couldn't make payments back, just like the mob. They ended up coming by, broke his legs, and as the oldest um, of the family, she decided to take on the responsibility of the payments and go out adventuring to earn money as quickly as possible. Um, so Ivar, the bad guy, is kind of a world traveler. And he was making his way towards... He's, he's a part of this conspiracy of bad guys. They, right. meet in this, they meet in the city and they're in the city. So I'm like, all right. We have to bring up the fact that there's still a lot of money owed and he has full knowing of what's going on back in his hometown, which is also her hometown. Um, and because there was that connection there, I figured that they would ask about um, the other players face tattoo. I think that's going on with his head. Um, ask to bridge a gap between him and, and one of the other evil guys. I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? They're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this guy. Totally. They're like, how do, I, how do I get to talk to this other guy? Like, how do I bridge that gap? And I gave them this opportunity. They didn't take that. And they kept not asking other questions. Like, they, wanted, they kept asking him out of character, like, when nobody was around. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm interested in... The fact that you chose to have them meet with the the big bad guy themselves, as opposed to like an intermediary. I like. Did you like? Was that a? I'm I'm just trying to. I'm just curious. I knew that with where the party was, they wouldn't just attack him. Like they know that they can't handle him, and truthfully, if they all ganged up on him, they probably could take him out. Um, but I needed it to be a incredibly impactful moment, a threatening moment. Like this guy has to have that presence of almost, I'm almost everywhere you are, you know, not like I'm following you, but I am, I don't want to say omnipotent and omnipresent, but I wanted that terror instilled in um, Lydia's, the name of the character in Lydia. Uh, which worked, and an intermediary. Um, remember how I told you that they kind of screwed up their first job with the rat folk yeah. guy? They didn't know it when they screwed up the job with the rat folk guy, but years ago, the rat folk guy was actually the head of the serpent's tail. He ended up in prison, and when he was the head, Ivar was just an enforcer, and he was the one who actually broke Lydia's le uh, dad's legs. So... Um, it was all kind of there first. And the rat folk, his name is uh, Dante. They call him Goonie. But Dante had uh, too much going on at the time. He really just didn't track on names and all the debt owed. And he's not as much in the business now because after he escaped from Silver Chain Prison, he's just kind of hiding out, making a life for himself and um, building up a new army of individuals. So... Uh, I guess I'm wondering, do you think the out-of-character part was 
um, like, what do you think you could have done to make that or not necessary? If, uh, <clears throat> like, what do you think happened? Like, what was your, what's your thoughts on that? Like, is that something that you want to have happen or? Like, tell them that to go ahead and ask right now. Like, yeah, like, do free... you think they should have known that themselves or? I tried to lay out quite a bit of hints. Like, they had even asked why everybody was um, just kind of giving them information. They said, man, none of these bad guys seem to really be acting the way that they were that, that they were described by the people. Maybe they're not that bad after all. I'm like, so these clues are here. You have, you're, you have a good track record with them. Like, things are progressing. And sometimes, actually more often than not, we would get the, shit, I should have asked this question. And it was after the last shit I should have asked this question. I said, all right, guys, let's rewind it. Ask the questions that you don't, because all these shit I should have asked always happen too late. And now you're missing these opportunities. Oh, so they had the conversation and then there was like right after it, they were like, oh, we should have asked all these things. Um, every, every time. Oh. And you can only, I don't want them to struggle. Like, I don't want them to drag this out. So um, after, after they got the recon and they're like, okay, so we can just sort of ask, we have free reign to ask right now um, and we can hold them up for as long as we feel like we need to. That's when some of my players were, they, they began treating them more hostily. And I was like, guys, it's a one-time thing. <laughs> Don't expect this free reign every time. So, um, yeah, that was, that was an issue. They got way more lower. Uh, and I planted the seed for the end game already. So I'm super excited about that. That sounds good. Yes. Yes, now just not to rush it, considering they're only level three. <laughs> How, what level do you think you want them to end at? I don't have a level in mind, but I'd like to push it to 20. So, um, it, like the game, the, that session particular ended where the, um, the Congress of Evil People, <laughs> I keep changing this name, <laughs> of evildoers, um, admitted that right now they are incredibly pissed off at the fact that they do not have permission to kill the group. Like they can't even really like the, uh, the overseer of fence, the city that they were in says, we cannot kill you. The other citizens, they are afforded the pleasure if they want to, we cannot convince, tell them, and we cannot do it ourselves. There's apparently something bigger. Do the players know that? Yes. Oh, they told oh, them. They, oh, because you, you told them. All right. Yes. Yes. And they they took that as an opportunity to get the hell out of the town. Interesting. I feel like if you had if you had the knowledge that, you know, the the lard, the biggest pal the biggest muscle around wasn't gonna try to had no had wasn't allowed to kill you. I feel like that's that's your time to shine as a murder hobo. These guys don't want a murder hobo. So badly that by the time I finally put in a combat on like the end, towards the end of session two, um, maybe session three, I haven't count, I don't counted back for a while. 
Um, but the first combat they're coming up to, where my my heavy hitting combatants get to really shine, they decide to charm monster, charm person instead. Out of combat. Interesting. That's uh. Yep. That's fun. That's exciting. It sounds like you've had the opposite uh, of my last few sessions, which have just been packed with combat. I, I've, I've been trying to install it where it makes the most sense, and they avoid it, and then they will say, man, I really wish we would fight more. That one blows my mind. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is there... <laughs> I mean, are they? Is it mainly an in city in cities adventures, or are they like? Do they also go out into the wilderness? Right now, it's mostly in cities for both both groups, but one of them has no qualms fighting. The other one avoids every fight and then wishes they fought more. <laughs> it's weird. But... Do they? Uh... Are they aware of like what gives them experience points every or at the end of every session or are you guys, are you yes. doing milestone? I can't remember. No, we're not doing milestone. Um, in fact, I talked to um, Trent, one of your players as well as friends, yep. a little bit about uh, the XP thing, and <clears throat> XP is sort of an arbitrary number for uh, for the games. It's not quite milestone, but they track XP and they level up when they need to. It's going to have, it averages about every seven to nine sessions is when they hit the next level. Um, so I balance it by way of kind of planning how much experience they're going to get. Um, I supplement that with giving them extra experience for uh, fantastic, great role play going above and beyond, etc. cetera. Um, as that reward bonus for um, helping them cultivate and do things that, really perform well in game so reward the behaviors you like to see kind of thing <clears throat> and it works is, is yeah. that a length of time that you like 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 when you like across your campaigns is that usually about the amount of time it takes someone to level up or do you ever do you do shorter or longer periods usually i power level my players and every three level every three games they'll end up like going up a level um, interesting my goal is to get through level three to level five on the slow XP track in Pathfinder, uh, giving them an opportunity to learn about the area that they're supposed to be spending a majority of uh, their, their early level in, um, and then switch to normal once they um, kind of branch out and start going to explore. So that's the, that's the plan. And all of my players in one game asked, you know, how are we doing? experience points and nobody seems to have a clear picture and it's arbitrary at this point they just want to level up when they level up so interesting it is but <clears throat> excuse me it's it comes to the fact that i i had the target number and i i plan on reaching it every seven to nine sessions so i make sure that happens you uh do you notice any trend i mean for your to has has them avoiding all of these combats affected how you were planning out to award them experience points? No. Um, I give them... I supplement the lack of combative XP with um, social XP. 
So because they're really uh, looking for lore, sometimes it requires a lot of uh, forethought or um, kind of like puzzle solving or critical thinking because they're not doing it via die rolls. So what, what metric do you typically use for, for gauging that out? Um, like, do you have something set going into a session? Like, oh, if they convince three people or succeed X number of persuasion rolls, or is it more like, do you go off a, a gut feeling? It's more of a gut feeling. And each, each piece of lore, depending on the importance of the world, the story world, versus the, um, I guess, more personal goals of lore for the players. Um, larger, more obscure lore from the larger world has a larger value. Um, smaller, more personal things have slightly, well, quite a bit less value, but wrapped into if they're also role-playing very well or going above and beyond, uh, they're personally awarded a little bit more to help cultivate that. So. Yeah, I think I have, I have a, I need to award more experience points for uh, more social endeavors. Um, it's a little bit stingy in that, that regard. Is it something that you're just not used to doing? Something that you're not a fan of? I think I'm just stingy in general. Um, so that's uh, that's probably, or at least when it comes to, to handing out XP and treasure. Um, I just caution on the stingy side, but uh, it's, it's something that's I'm right. trying, to, trying to do and embrace more and more, especially as my players are you know, very good at role-playing and mm -hmm. we do want to have that be a focus. And I want to try to reward their role-playing as much as their their combat so i think you should definitely definitely do it um i made a i made a funny joke outside of game over our facebook group message i made a pun and it was a bad pun so i awarded everybody 50 experience points just for having to put up with it and i'm going to uh i guess quote <laughs> quote my player here because this is fantastic um Hell yeah. Only 106,849 more puns to level 20. <laughs> hey, at least they know what to encourage. Yes. <laughs> Just got to grind some boars in the forest. Oh, God. So much more. So much I, more. I think the issue for me is I've, I try to put too much in goals. Like, I'll be like, oh, if they achieve this goal, I'll give them this this experience like this this reward um and then sometimes they go in completely opposite directions that i don't expect mm -hmm. um and so i think i need to be more um uh you know have more categories instead of a specific action um to because they have multiple different ways to success and right. doing that exceptionally well should be rewarded regardless of which path they take so yeah and that's that's partially the reason why I started developing this particular game, well, both of these particular games, uh, based on so much of their background story, and I've only been developing world stuff. Um, like, my sessions literally just follow along based on things that happened the last session, and their actions have told me about where they want to go. 
if they're looking for more lore, I make sure I've got some. So it's it's interesting. Most of my planning is done like I don't know two hours before game. So I, I figure don't. I'm going to do some planning after we're done with this. So glad I brought my notebook. It's a good idea. Good um, idea. I have to because the the party has, is going to be pushing forward. There, I have to figure out what uh, what to prepare if they decide to storm a, a Morlock den at uh, at very low HP. So, I think there's a lot of uh, fantastic opportunity there. Yep, I've got a. I've. I, I think I, I'm going to be spending a lot of time thinking about all the different ways they might approach it because combat might be the most the riskiest option. So uh, I know they might fall back or seek help, and so I've kind of got to think about what directions they might do that in, uh, just to prepare. Have you uh, ever just asked them flat out outside a game, like, "Hey, this is about where you're at. What's your guys' plan?" Oh, I, I have asked. Um, I, I have done that a couple of times. Um, and I've, I've done that uh, a, a recently, at least. Um, at least that's how I knew they were going in this direction. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I didn't expect, because they've had really bad rolls the last two sessions, and it's really taken like a, a toll on their some of their, their resources. Um, I, I thought they were going to wipe the floor with these uh, these folks, um, and instead, several of their members have been uh, nearly killed, and one of them got kidnapped. So That's hilarious! Uh, yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking at time, and you had brought in the potential another game to talk about. Yeah the the wild seas. Sounds interesting. I, yeah, it's a it's a newer game. Um, it was it was kickstarted kickstarted a couple of years ago. Um, conceptually, the game is is set in a in a world in which something happened, and all the the um, like the animals and all the trees, especially, just got went through huge growth spurts. Um, and so the wild sea is literally this huge forest that oh. everyone now lives on top of. Um, and everyone sails between like different islands, quote unquote, um, on like chainsaw boats. <laughs> so it's it's like this interesting blend of like forest and like beautiful scenery and you know, flowers and funguses meets like Mad Max, like in in this absolutely wonderful uh in wonderful way so it's it's got a really cool theme going for it um it uses a d6 system where you you dice pool mm -hmm. and then you want to have like at least one dice that's in a six mm -hmm. uh, six is a success four five is sex success with uh like a a setback and i think there might be yep. a category for one and two three all right but pretty simple dice mechanic. Yep. Um, but the the really cool part is the characters are all built around uh, these these traits, and these traits will have a special ability and then like a track, like three or four, and it's kind of the amount of uses. And 
all these tracks, this compilation of five tracks give you five special abilities essentially. And their tracks are also your hit points. Okay. So as you start taking damage or even some of your abilities, you have to mark a track to use. So like as you're using your powerful abilities, you're also getting closer to um, like you start losing your abilities or you might get hit and maybe one of your abilities is just a really cool axe. Like your axe breaks. Um, and from a narrative player, like from someone who likes less crunch, they've got all the, the all these abilities spread out amongst kind of basically backgrounds and origins and different jobs that you can have. And so you can easily pick from them. And then there's a layer above that where you can just pick any ability from anywhere. Okay. And then there's a level above that where they say, hey, here's the formula and thought that we used in how to affect in like how much abilities, like what abilities should do and how long of a track they should have and like what corresponds to what. Build your own. Hmm. Um, I like that. So it, I mean, it, I love the the amount of character creation and depth that it can have, and you can either tone it back or you can really just, um, especially like once you're leveling up your character, you can choose to just build abilities, um, mm -hmm. and so you can build something that might fit you thematically, and um, it's wonderful. Um, and it the, sounds the, interesting. Yeah, it's got uh, the other aspect of it is everything is done, like the the big other main mechanic is tracks where your your abilities are tracks um traveling from one place to another is a track um monster health they're tracks uh, basically everything is done with a track everything is a track um as long as you can keep them all straight yeah um i i think it's uh got a i'm not explaining the tracks very well but uh <laughs> It, it it translates on all like it's it's a universal system where it goes across all the different uh, like when building a ship everything has these tracks that uh, give it a, a unique feel. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun playing it. Good deal, something I'll uh, I'll look into. And if you again send that to uh, through our chat here, I'll make sure to set, spell it right in the description so we can kind of. Let everybody else know what you're playing to. Oh, 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 there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about from that. Uh, the the exploration, like so when you're traveling from one spot to another, uh -huh. you uh, there's you roll basically, the players get to decide if they either want to stand still and not move on the track and have like a rest encounter or they can choose to move one hex down the track and have an encounter that they can choose to in, like engage in or not, like they can see it coming, or they can choose to just throttle down these tracks to travel and move several hexes. But the GM is basically just like, all right, you've bought into this next encounter. Um, it's got a lot of, uh, the players have a lot of narrative control uh, of, of what I like happens. <clears throat> I like that. So it sounds uh, incredibly interesting and something I look forward to looking into. And the art is beautiful. Oh, the art is gorgeous. Yeah. I'll Absolutely definitely. fantabulous. Definitely. And you get have to, to design a, a boat with a chainsaw engine powered by a, a thing of bees. Oof. That sounds hilarious. 
Sounds hilarious. When you initially said uh, chainsaw boat, I imagine something like a uh, a Viking wolf ship or a longboat with all the oars, but instead of oars, they were just chainsaws and <laughs> acting as wheels, just treading across the the uh, treetop canopy. You can do that. That would be awesome. Mad Max style. That'd be like forest punk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be a good genre for it. Um, I think. Punk. The last time we played, one of my players was because uh, you can be like a, a sentient boat, essentially, like a, a like a boat that's like crashed. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about two hundred years, but okay.